I tend to just start rolling this and make sure everything's going. And then, you know, we'll do it. It's a very natural thing. Mm-hmm. Podcasting, talking to people, microphones, internet, the world, connection. <laughs> this is what this is what society is like now. <laughs> we don't this is like the only reason, the only way I even get to hang out with people anymore is by doing this. If I didn't do this, I would probably never see anybody. It, it's a great way of meeting people too. Like I remember the podcast almost like doubled as like a way. Cause you know, you do the show swap thing. Yeah. 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 Like you'll bring in a band and you'll host them here. And it was like almost our like little way of getting to know bands that were coming to town. Cause we would just hit them up and they're happy for anything. That's like this, you know, absolutely have some representation in different city. And that was always a good tool for us. That's how, honestly like a lot of the reason why we ended up like keeping on, keeping on with it, you know? Mm-hmm. So let's pull this just a little bit closer to you. Mm-hmm. All right. You don't got to be all up on it, but it was like up at your nose. Okay. So I think we can do it. Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda and water in the fridge. Cheers. I don't know where your water's at. Not on Dylan has a water somewhere. He didn't keep it on the table. That's totally fine. It's all good. Sitting here today with um, two one-hundredths of the band string machine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How many people are in the band? Seven, right? Yeah, seven. Seven. Two-sevenths yeah. of string machine. David and Dylan say what's up to the internet. Hello, internet. What's up? It's nice to see the internet. Yeah, the yeah. internet is happy to see you. Yeah. Uh, we are here today to talk about music the local scene an album that you just put out mm-hmm. or you're about to put out mm-hmm. august 2nd yeah august 2nd yeah. today this will be uploading on july 29th so oh, man. so coming very very soon august 2nd yeah you can listen to death of the neon which did you wear this t-shirt as an ironic yeah. gesture well no actually funny thing about it is like <laughs> i named i named the album death of the neon because we thought it was like a interesting like you know you could read that so many different ways uh-huh. but it is a blade to me it just means the death i used to drive a dodge neon so it's kind of to me it was a car that meant a lot to me and it uh got it got a uh, you know put to the scrap yard did the car know? have a name um yeah my my dad did have a name it was lulu Uh, lulu the neon rest in peace yeah and funny and it was actually just the car that i would like borrow from my dad when my jeep was not doing too good but it gave me some a lot of strife and i actually you know the strife sometimes was a lot to handle i mean that's having a car in general or having anything of monetary value exactly as an artist is just nothing but stress oh there was there was one time where the the radiator had like a leak in it. So like through September and like October, I was just like, okay, we'll deal with it later, but I'll just keep pouring water in it and it would all leak out, you know, but there was one night in November where we like played a show and I'm driving home and it starts overheating because that night, in November, it got below 32. And oh no. Yeah. Froze up the coolant lines and I was stranded and my phone died and, yeah, I just had to deal with it, you know. But here you are, you made it. Exactly. We're really happy that you're here. Yeah. 
Yeah. Everyone's really happy that you made it. Yeah, you get through it. You know? So <laughs> I was listening through Death of the Neon earlier today, and I had mentioned to you before we started recording that you know this just sounded like a really meticulously well-produced project. I mean, you are a seven-piece band, so there's a lot of different instruments and things in the band. But to my understanding, you are kind of like the... This is like your brain and then everything kind of gets mm-hmm. dispersed onto other people. Yeah. Well, the the project did start as like a solo project. And then I just, we call ourselves like the Earthwalk Collective. And it's just a collective of artists that we're all just friends, you know? Yeah. And um, on that first album we released like in 2016, it was just me like having people come in and like add parts that I thought would sound cool. And then it kind of just like formed into a band with, you know, this guy and the other five members. And we were just like, well, let's just be a band then, you know, it's kind of cool how things can start that way. So yeah, David, what has it been like, you know, just trying to orchestrate all of that over these past few years? I feel like it's probably a similar thing that I went through when I went from making Sykes and then getting starting to get a band and then put that together. I feel like we probably have a very similar story. Yeah. Um, it just was like, uh, it's just a lot of working with these guys, you know, like, I mean, I write, I, I write the songs and then generally, um, they just, they just sit there and then we, you know, one by one, we kind of have to like be uh, strategic about who plays what, where, and, not making, you know, cause everyone's instinct is to write like a melody, but it's also important that there aren't too many like counter melodies happening. So it's like, sometimes you just <clears throat> don't you do know. anything for yeah, a little bit. Exactly. And it's, and sometimes it is hard, like saying like, Hey, I know you have a part written, you know, but it might not be necessary here. Yeah. You know? And, um, when you build it up, you just kind of like, you know, these guys are great collaborators because they're able to like unplug from their input and just hear the song for what it is and know and be like self-aware when they're like supposed you know when when the song needs them and when it doesn't so there's nothing that has made me like understand that process more than playing in heavy metal bands yeah because it's such natural instinct when writing metal music to go Balls to the wall, 1,000 all the time. But a lot of the time, you don't need to, you have to understand that there is, you know, you might have a real sick guitar riff, but it's not going to work if there's also somebody trying to play drums on top of it, then bass and vocals and whatever other stuff you put in. It could become a mess really, really quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a lot of time was just spent even just listening, you know what I mean? Tracking it was just like, you know, you throw your parts on there, but like the majority of like crafting it is just listening to it over and over again and almost having to like, like learning how to like, uh, know the difference between like self-criticism and like, like too harsh of self-criticism and like, you know what I mean? Sure, and like, sure, sure. um, so, so it's, you know. like, it's like you're, your child in a way. Yeah, and exactly. You have to, like tell yourself that your kid's ugly <laughs> or like yeah. your kid's outfit yeah. sucks, you know, so you got to like <laughs> fix it up. Yeah. And there was a lot of parts where we would just go like balls to the wall with, uh, you know, making it super dense and all the instrumentation there and then like peeling it away. You know yeah. what I mean? So it was like, everyone just add what you want to add and then we'll go through and like mute what we don't think needs to be there. Mm-hmm. And if it sounds good through a listen through, that's the, that's the orchestration. You when know? you're writing, 
these songs, I imagine you're doing like a good handful of pre-production while writing, trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. Was that what you were doing? Like, were you demoing stuff out? Um, so like how it starts with me is I just kind of like shoot some lyrics down cause lyrics are a big part of my, my input. You know, that's something I'm really like passionate about is the lyrics of it. And then, you know, I just kind of, a lot of the process was demoing and simultaneously like recording. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was, it was a studio written album, but like we just, we self produced it in our, like our bassist basement, mm-hmm. you know? And you know, you'd lay down the first quarter of a song and be like, well, okay, let's, you know, it was honestly just like work ethic. Like I'd be there by myself and just be like, okay, let's finish the song so they can hear it and hear the vision I was going with and then add on top. And, um, it worked out really good. You know, I don't think there's any way to put out, put together an album like death of the neon other than it being almost like a studio studio written album Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because of all of the layers and how just detailed everything seems to be. I don't think that that's something that you can really just craft organically like in a practice space with no recording whatsoever. You know what I mean? Like it's not, there's no way the beach boys would have put together pet sounds if they just were in a room or the Beatles and the white album or whatever, you know, crazy dense classic album you want to think of dark mm-hmm. side of the moon. You can keep naming them. You yeah. know, like th- those are all studio written albums as well. Mm-hmm. And now that we live in a time where the access to technology is so easy to come across. I mean, most people have computers nowadays. Most people have computers in their fucking pockets. Yeah. You can record a, demo a fucking album on your phone if you get the right dongle for the thing you know what i mean like you can make it happen it's not that hard yeah so it's cool to see so many bands taking advantage of that and then using it to put out really really great product yeah i mean that's you're limitless you know i mean when you have like a lot when you have logic and sometimes you're too limitless like that could be a problem too yeah i'll never forget the time well we we like recorded ourselves but we got like uh jake hanner I don't know if you know him. I'm not uh, familiar. Um, he's in. He he's the drummer of Denora. That's okay. Okay. Yeah, I know, know that. I and, I know who they are, but I don't know them. Yeah, exactly. And he has a studio where he was. He was the most accommodating, like engineer. He was. I'd recommend him to any musician, like making any kind of music. But I'll never forget the first song I sent him. You know, and it was 93 tracks worth of wave files, and he's just like. Like I can mix like, and I really appreciate him for this because some engineers would just be like, "Okay, I'm mixing it," and then invoice you for like ten hours, and you're like, "Ah, oh, that's yeah. our whole album budget, you know, or whatever." And, totally. Uh, but he was really cool and was just like, "I mean, I can mix this for you, but like, if you have like mixes that you're proud of, you can kind of like bounce certain things down." You know what I mean? Like the acoustic guitar can just be summed up into one track, and I can yeah. mix that. Which, um, you know. It's all, you know, you know, the limitations, it's all a learning process too. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's what I love about it is like every project we do, it seems to be like a step forward for like our own like self, um, reliance with the whole thing in general for like how well we can do it. Yeah. And along with this album that is coming out, you have a a cool music video I want to touch base on that just premiered recently on the internet, right? Mm -hmm. So people can watch this. Mm-hmm. The song I didn't write this down. Eight legged dog. Yeah, is that right? 
Yeah. Good memory. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So for that track and that video, it looks like there's like that video was like filmed across different seasons. Was that, did you film it like all in the same time or was it just like filmed over the course of actually like different seasons? Well, you know, we had a weird winter, you know, (laughs) where it was like, I guess that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, I mean, it was like the day we did like the full band stuff. Yeah. There was, there was one Saturday where for like 12 hours or something we were filming and that's where most of the, like all the full band shots came from that day. And then I think that like some individual shots of yours were from a few weeks before that, but it wasn't like separate seasons. It was all just yeah, January and February. It was really there. cold. That's yeah, all. That's that crazy. Cause there. yeah, I mean, there's like definitely some parts of the video that look like winter and then some parts that look like spring, but yeah. I guess that is a Pittsburgh winter. Yeah. Now that I think about that, I did, I did forget <laughs> yeah. where we live. Yeah. Well, no, and that yeah. is kind of cool. Cause I mean, that's kind of the, the whole concept of the album is kind of like, I don't know. It's seasonal, you know, you go through these like winters where you shut in and you become like, you know, almost like a hermit, you know, and then when the sun comes out, you start spreading out, you know, and we just, we wanted the, the video to feel like claustrophobic, you know what I mean? That was the, we didn't really have any initial like concept. I think Mm -hmm. it was just like, okay, the song is about being like emotionally calloused from just being like worn out and exhausted. So let's try to like make the video feel like like you're in a doomsday bunker or something okay you know or like isolated in the middle of nowhere or with a bunch of junk cars that are worn out as well yeah. you know and um we ran with it and honestly ralph and the guys who directed it took yeah. took it to a whole i mean you introduced us yeah. to them so ralph and anthony i um i go to point park and they just graduated from there in the film school what are you doing um, at point park global cultural studies okay yeah that's cool topic for another day but (laughs) but um yeah and ralph's one of my best friends and um he was just saying like he wanted to do a music video for us it wasn't even like i was i didn't think i asked him initially i think he just told me he wanted to um and so both of them just like it wasn't like we hired some guys to do a video it was like our friends were like we want to make this yeah and they just did an amazing job of um yeah taking david's basic ideas and turning them into something like really amazing yeah Yeah, and the ideas weren't really like cut like stone cut either it was kind of just like here's some things i'd like to visually grasp i had like actually no ideas i mean i just (laughs) yeah yeah, i had no ideas and i was just like guys i just i need some help to like flesh this concept out and anthony uh and ralph delulu really like just like blew the expectations out of the water because we were i mean me personally i i never really ever wanted to like do a music video and especially one i never was for the idea of doing like a video where it was like us performing because i always thought that was kind of weird like sure because i always think of that like asking alexandria video where they're playing in the rain and the sim you know what i mean like how improbable is that Every like you know, uh-huh. metalcore video exactly <laughs> it's just like you can never it's so unbelievable you know but they proved me wrong like i you know i i I did want that music video. So. I think it. Yeah. I think it. It just comes down to, you know, taste and vision, and just doing it in a way that is not blatantly over the top or corny. But mm-hmm. a, an asking Alexandria band. I mean, that's 
they want corny. That's yeah. A, you know, that's what the exactly. That's yeah. what the the people that are into that stuff kind of crave. That cheese, you know, they're cheese fiends. Yeah, and like, <laughs> like I, I just like if you were I, my thought process on it was always like, if you're gonna have like a video of like you performing to like a recorded track, why don't you just like set up some mics in a studio and like just do like a live like audio tree session or something, but with them it was kind of just like visually like i'll never forget like the first time looking at their little viewfinder thing mm-hmm. and just seeing how like crisp the shot was and just being like wow you know just really happy with how it went you know yeah, yeah no it it looks great everything looks super professional and i think they did a great job so yeah. speaking of things looking professional Dylan, can we adjust your mic stand because it is blocking um, David's face? Totally. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, yeah, we'll just kind of maybe go in a bit. Yeah, there we go. And then is we'll bring you in a bit and kind of up. Nice. And I think maybe that might be a little bit better. I'm not sure. Yeah. This uh, a newer space. We're still working out the kinks. But yeah. back to being professional. Another thing <laughs> that has um impressed me with the album that you're putting together. I mean, the album artwork is great. The video looks great. And out of, you know, this is episode maybe 231 or two that I've done to the podcast. Uh, not many people have sent me press kits oh, yeah. before coming on and you sent me a press kit and congrats on having your shit together. It just <laughs> seems like, you know, the band's really trying on this effort to make sure people are, listening to this you had the music video was premiered by a blog so that was obviously some coordinating you know to get that done and it seems like you're taking those steps that you know you actually want people to hear this music i feel that there are a lot of bands that nothing against any of these bands but they will release something and it's it's the way that they go about releasing it it seems as if they don't really want people to listen to it or they're just expecting you know putting it out there is enough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I could put a hundred dollars on the patio and somebody might find it. But if I don't tell anybody that's there, chances are nobody's going to look for it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think what it really comes down to is people are only going to take you as seriously as you take yourself. You know what I mean? And, uh, um, it's just, uh, I forget where I was going with that, but uh, yeah, I mean, um, (laughs) I just think about like all my favorite bands and like their rollout. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's a pretty important thing to like be excited about a rollout, you know? And we're at the stage now where we can't do like any like experimental rollout by any means. Like, I mean, my favorite rollout of all time was to pimp a butterfly by Kendrick. Just the way that like the single came out and then the single was like the studio version and then him performing that single was in the album and Mm -hmm. part like the single release was part of the concept of the album which was just like mind-blowing to me and you think about how important a rollout is and how important it is to like um make yourself look worth listening to you know what i mean yeah um that's that's what draws people in you know for the most part and i do really want i mean i put we, we we all put like so much work in to the album that it you know you're only once you finish the album you're only at the the bottom of the mountain yeah it's kind of like a a depressing thing to think of yeah (laughs) make the music look like it's worth listening to like that sentence but it's so true yeah 
Yeah, I don't know. It's um, we're in a, a really weird time frame now where before, you know, whenever I was coming out of high school and things like that, uh, and doing music, it wasn't like it is now, you know, that wasn't really a conversation, you know, yeah. of like, Oh, this needs to look as good as it possibly can. So people will listen to it. But I don't know if that's really a difference of the times. Like if that's a 2019 thing, or if that's just me now being ready to take the next step with my music and taking yeah. it more seriously. Cause I guess yeah. if you think about it, it's always kind of been about what it looks like and, yeah. What attach what's attached to it with mm-hmm. any any classic album or band that's been super duper popular. Yeah. I I just to me I think about how like much a rollout impacts me and makes me excited about something and like the rollout now with the streaming age has almost become like an artistic expression in itself. You know what I mean? And I only let like our outward presence be like an extension of ourselves you know what i mean like with all of our graphics i use like my handwriting you know what i mean because i i think there's like heart and not necessarily trying to appeal to people but like using the forum of outward presence as like a as like a as another artistic like outlet you know so like we got to work with a lot of like like our photographer david mccandless like mm. his, his photography is phenomenal and i was so excited like regardless of what other you know wasn't necessarily aiming for us to look like the next big band it was more like like let's take some cool pictures and let it be an extension of uh-huh. like what we are and like what we you know what kind of art we want to like represent i guess yeah, the I band know. photo is such a weird thing and i feel that it's i kind of with gray walker it's easy because it's like, okay, well, we're a heavy metal band. So heavy metal band photos are so fucking easy to do. But with like Sykes and a new violence, it's like, okay, I'm I'm a hip hop thing, I guess, but I don't, I don't even know what looking traditionally hip hop is, Yeah, but whatever it is, I don't look like that. So what do we do for (laughs) photos? So we're always like staging these goofy scenarios for photos now. And just like, it's like, well, I guess we'll just do something silly because we can't look serious and have anybody take us seriously ever. It's not going to happen. I know. That's the thing is like, I love the little goofs, you know what uh-huh. I mean? Like it's Glad. important to have little goofs like in the music video. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm going to give a little bit of the backstory. So there's Please. this one moment in eight legged dog when the word thick is screamed. And, uh, we had a, a video of us playing that song acoustically, um, in our friend's backyard that my friend Emery took. And whenever David says thick, like he says it real loud and he turns from the camera and I made this like meme out of it just for us. Like T-H-I-C-C. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it like, I, I made it like super amplified and distorted. So like, and then after that is when you're like, we should just start all yelling thick when that happens. So out of my meme comes this thing that we do. And then for the music video, at that point we like are all sitting next to one another and we like look up in the sky and say thick. Uh-huh. And I like, I'm really giggly, especially when I need to not be. And so I like, that was like the ninth take of that had to have been. Um, and I still giggle a little bit in it, but it was like, I didn't giggle enough that they said we needed to redo it. They were just like, all right, we're done. So if you like look at that point in the music video, you can see like a yeah, little bit of smoke. Smile starts cracking. Yeah, like the, uh, the cold air of and my it was, exhale. It was, it was like one of those moments too, where it was like, it started like snowing. Like it started, I mean, we went into a, my like Mike's 
woods mm-hmm. and like we took a drum set out with the the quad and stuff and we were just oh in the drum set on a quad yeah that's what that's, i'm saying like, that's one yeah. way to transport it <laughs> we were freezing our asses off like we were literally like my like my like i couldn't feel my fingers and yeah. it took like we were trying okay. to get a good take of this whole concept of going thick you know and he kept <laughs> laughing and it was just like dylan like and then we were just like that's that we wouldn't want it any other way because dylan would obviously laugh at that you know what yeah. i mean so it's like we got to roll with that. That's what has the heart in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, totally. And this brings me to an interesting topic and mm-hmm. something that I love talking to bands about, especially bands that have a, like the art itself is kind of based in a more like serious, deep emotional thing. And there's obviously a lot of that in string machines music, but I'm sitting here. I'm talking with the two of you. I could tell you're a couple of goofballs. Everybody has light, yeah. like lighthearted stuff. And like, mm-hmm. how do you go about like balancing that like work and play or business and play with like you know the emotional weight of maybe what's attached to some of your songs, but also you know having a good time with your friends and wanting people to feel like this isn't just like this big pit of emotional despair. Like this is something you can have fun being a part of as well. Mm. That's that's a, a thing I've question. been really trying to like grasp in my lyrics because you know I feel like some li- like some people can get away with just like the like just being like serious all the time and one thing I'm really trying to like grasp with my art is just where we are in today's society like even in like a heavy album like uh like you know when you think of like like a lot of hip hop even you know they there's there's moments that aren't humorous but playful you know what i mean i think that's like a very important dynamic to have you know what i mean like uh, i'm trying to think of like a specific moment in like to pimp a butterfly where you know or like the end of mama where it's like you know yeah or maybe like the chorus of uh one with snoop yeah like his grandma yeah 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 exactly and like i think i think playfulness is like very important because um that's that's life you know what i mean like no one i'm not a guy that's just sitting here like saying poetic shit all the time totally you know what i mean like i think it's i've been really trying to like incorporate lyrics that aren't too like like metaphorical and poetic because it's just like that's not really me like i am that guy inside like i think about things a lot you know but there's also a part of me that like is playful and like wants to, wants to just like, you know, yeah. mess around. Like the, the opening track of the album is like, I, it's, it's funny cause it gets laughs. That's one thing I really wanted to do. We're friends with this band called, or I'm at uh, Sam Pellegrino and their EP is so perfectly like playful because it doesn't like take itself too seriously. And I think that's the cons like the whole, like, what we strive for is to not take ourselves too seriously, but just like, just kind of just be like what we are, you know, and hope that people cling to it, you know? And, um, with a, something as heavy as string machine, like, like, you know, in terms of lyrical content and mood of the overall music, that's, that's why I kind of think it's important to like include songs like old Mac, where I just, where we just say happy birthday to my friend, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, 
Like there's a part in the song where we just go happy birthday to my best friend Bryce and then it's a great another, moment. Yeah, another <laughs> lyric where I tell like I give a little tidbit about like there was last summer on his birthday we went and saw Marilyn Manson and Rob Zombie and, <laughs> and we yeah. thought we thought if we were going to see that show we had this I I'm new to the whole like that scene thing. Okay. So like we were like okay, people going to this show it might be like you know, like almost like gathering at the jugglers. Like people might put like makeup on, look yeah. like dark and goth and like vampires and stuff. So we went to the show in full goth, like thinking that we were going to like fit jive, in with, yeah, jive with the crowd a little more, but everyone else just looked like normal people. Like we, over, we overcompensated way too much yeah. and we show up and like, we go to a McDonald's before we got to the show and uh, the people in line at the McDonald's were like, I wonder where you're going. Cause it was uh, at Star Lake, you know? Yeah. And um, like I you know, that's, that was something that happened in my life. And I think it's, yeah. you know, it was funny enough of a thing that, you know, we did. Yeah. That. <laughs> I love that. Like, that's hysterical. It was just like, yeah. And I think also like, um, I feel like we put a lot of work into practice and like we, we goof off obviously, but like, a lot of the like hard work happens in practice and then we just practice so much that whenever we perform, um, there's so much room for us to like play, I guess. Like the music has gotten to a point where we like feel really comfortable playing it and we're not like all hyper focused on our instruments. And we can just like the way that I see us performing live is like we're practicing in f- with more friends there and I don't know. I just have like so many moments where I lock eyes with Ian, our trumpet player slash guitarist. Um, he's super weird and like a great performer. And I'm just like happy to be there with him. I don't know. I just think <laughs> yeah. performing is like so much fun because uh, we put in a lot of work outside of that. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you know, we're such, you know, it's, we're a serious band, you know, like you said, the, the lyrical content gets serious and we <clears> touch on some themes that are kind of like dark and even like and, musically, like, you know, there's yeah. a lot of moodiness to the, and just emotional weight yeah. I feel when listening to the album. Exactly. And like then again, like for Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> we for Halloween, you know how bands do the cover sets and they yeah. usually, and I thought it for years, me and the drummer Nick have been thinking have been scheming this idea because like we see like people do like joke sets. You know what I mean? You like you'll see a band that you like like in the local scene, they'll be like doing Blink Wayne too. We were like, what if we take it a step further? And like we're string machine, this dark moody band, and we do a cover set of high school musical. And it's like Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, so we did a it high was school a musical cover set. It was, was it meme. was hilarious because you know, no one would have ever expected <laughs> us to do that. You know what I mean? And it was a lot of fun. Like we incorporated yeah. like we didn't it wasn't all high school musical. Like we incorporated like Avril Levine, we did uh Bon Jovi and then closed out the night with Crank That Soldier Boy. Okay. And, so it's a nice medley. Yeah, exactly. And what was hilarious is that we had Ian and Laurel who were actually like a couple and they're both in our band. We had them be like, what's their name? Troy and Gabriella. Yeah. We had them okay. and they like would improv skits in between songs. So we like we made a yeah. musical out of it. it, was and, it was, and I was the only was, other one who dressed up as anything. Yeah. Which was uncomfortable. We were all supposed to dress up as like high school musical people <laughs> and he dressed up as Sharpay. So mm-hmm. he had like pink Sweet. dress on. Yeah. And fun. none of us none of I felt bad, but none of us all You were dressed as Robin Hood. Yeah, I had to like <laughs> my girlfriend was there too, so like we were trying to like match, you know. Yeah. Cute stuff like that. So like she was Tinkerbell. She was Tinkerbell, yeah. I was Peter Pan. Yeah. Oh Peter Pan. 
Yeah, that was Peter Pan. Not Wait. Robin Hood. But yeah, so you know, with the with the weight of the music, I guess all in all, with the weight of the music, we just you're you still know. humans. Exactly. We just we just try to make it an extension of ourselves, and I think in this day and age, like nothing takes itself too seriously. Like I think it's one of the, I think it's a masterpiece that like Old Town Road is is what it is. Oh sure, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Because it's just like. It doesn't take itself seriously. It's it's freely expressive too, and it's like just kind of like ear candy that isn't like necessary. Like you can, we can get caught up in like gourmet lasagna, or we can like have our warheads that sour and sure. might not be enjoyable, but it's something to put in your mouth and kind of. You know what I'm saying? I don't really know how else to sum this Old up. Town you know? Road yeah. warheads, <laughs> but like we're in an age where things don't take themselves too seriously and yeah. i think yeah, everything is a meme for exactly. sure exactly and that's what's beautiful about the times we live in so it's like hard being like poetic without trying to like like it's almost essential to like like touch base on like the themes of mo- like modern art which is just memes you know so yeah like, i think that yeah. you need to i think that's how you connect with people in the world nowadays mm-hmm. is just show them that like you, know, you are not this like you're not this brick wall mm-hmm. of that is impenetrable you know yeah. it's like yeah i like it's not necessarily like silly things i think it's just that that's just how people seem to connect nowadays yeah. is through a meme in one way or another yeah mm-hmm. and it's very and i think it's like, very strange for me but yeah if you're like trying working to on it <laughs> you're trying to like crack the code of another human's like emotional like palette you're not going to get there by just saying like a robert frost poem like yeah you, no. you have to incorporate something weird you yeah. know you have to because like we're people are funny you know yeah like, speaking uh, of palettes mm-hmm. let's move into this you got okay. a band with a lot of people in it mm-hmm. all right this is something that i like to talk to bands about but i gotta know after a show, where does String Machine go for some grub? For some grub? Do you have like a group spot where everybody likes to hang out or is this divided? <laughs> Are you a divided band um, when it comes to food? Well, well, I don't know. Let me throw in one thing. We, most of us up until this point lived uh, half an hour to an hour. 45 minutes. We, we're, we're originally from Butler and we recently just moved to like North, like actually just last month. Yeah, to north side. So when the shows are ending at like eleven thirty, most of us are like, we need to get home. Yeah, like, <laughs> fair, enough. fair enough. Yeah, but, like, but is there a grub place that we could say Eaton Park a couple times? Yeah, we went there that one time with me oh dancing. grub though. We one time we took the whole like on we took we went on tour, but we took all seven of us plus three other people. Like it was like three other people, the whole gang, yeah. seven of us. So so it was stressful as is, but we were like playing Chicago. And there was like this, like a, a good, like the band wanted to do like Chicago pizza okay, and like the Chicago deep dish. And it actually ended up causing an argument. And the pizza fiasco of 2018. Oh, yeah. let's get was, into this. It was like, yeah, it was like an argument because uh, we didn't like, we were running out of time. Like we were like, we're at the gig, we're loading in and like. It was, well, we went to the. Chicago uh, music, exchange. music yeah. exchange. Yeah. Okay. Chicago. Yeah. That place is a 
So we were in the haze for a long time. Yeah. And um, we were running out of time, like in terms of like loading in and actually just being at the show and stress, stress of the whole situation. Cause there was like people who were like, where are we going to get pizza? And then there was like some of us that were like, well, how are we going to, you know, we got to figure out a plan with, cause with seven people on stage, like in a basement, we had to like, you know, figure out like where everyone's going to go. You yeah, know, absolutely. like, I mean, honestly, so it was just stressful. It was just stressful. You know, we were in traffic for a long time and yeah, the funniest day. thing, you know, we, the, it caused this argument, this band argument. And we finally just like had the pizza, you know, we were all kind of like quietly eating it. And then Ian, our trumpet player, who was like the most adamant about the pizza was just like, okay, I'll say it. This pizza sucks. <laughs> yeah, so like, it just, it literally like, it just like, it just like completely oh, no. relieved, completely relieved any argument, like stress we were having. We really got over it immediately. Yeah. As soon as Ian's, Ian needed to say that, it was like the icebreaker that completely killed all tension. And it was like, you know, next time we come to Chicago, we'll go to a good. Because yeah. I don't think it even you know? what, was it even. Uh, we had like conflicting reports from some of the people who like live there that like that wasn't like actual you know that was a bad representation i was yeah. like i'm happy it was because now we have the opportunity to like go and have that experience as a band still yeah. you know without it being a tense situation yeah <laughs> but it's true but like uh local places i mean where where do we like or do you have like here? maybe like a band practice ritual that you maybe y'all do whenever you get together <laughs> oh your your show you have a thing oh every single show well yeah this isn't a band thing but i guess it's becoming part of string machines experience um i got a guitar a couple years ago because um i couldn't with us having seven people and being in basements all the time my like keyboard plus mixer and uh machine setup was just like way too big yeah i was always taking up a lot of space and i found a guitar at pianos and stuff on sale i was like all right and i bought it and it has a little pouch on the strap for cables, which is just weird because like when you're wearing something, you probably don't have the cables in it. But there's a pouch. So I stock it with Werther's Originals. Um, and in between each song, I toss one out. And the goal is to make people feel like they're in their grandmother's living room. I love this. Yeah. yeah. So the Werther's is kind of the, the band grub. Yeah. <laughs> Werther's is the band grub. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure everyone in the band likes them. I Yeah. There's, like most times people are like, we give me a Werther's. Yeah. We live together now. So he has like a bowl of them on our table. And I yeah. was like, I didn't appreciate Werther's that much until they're literally like so accessible now. And I was like, <laughs> I love it. So. Werther's are legit. I like Werther's <laughs> shout yeah. outs to Werther's. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> sure. That's good stuff. <laughs> I wish I could think of something that we like, like a place we like around here though. I'd love to well, give a I shout mean, you, out. You, you just know? recently moved to this part of town. And now maybe you'll have more opportunity when you're playing gigs locally to, yeah. you know, find a spot that you like. Well, I'll ask you in a few months. Yeah, we talked well, earlier. Monterey Pub is a good okay, start. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a that's a good start. Have you, have you been there yet? I haven't yet. No. It's like right around the block from where we live. And um, that's, they had a great patty melt. So, I mean, that's that's something, right? Yeah. yeah that that's works. Great. That's cool. Hell yeah. I'm thinking and SPAC, SPAC but you can't yeah, say SPAC, SPAC is because like, that's every band's yeah, place. Yeah, I feel like it's nobody, Roboto. Not a lot of people shout out SPAC on the podcast. SPAC is amazing. Man, the Satan, is that how you pronounce it? Satan, <laughs> buffalo, chicken, but it's not chicken. It's like the, yeah, is that what it is? is? Yeah, yes. that, that pizza is delicious. Yeah, we get that. I got, that. yeah, that pizza is awesome. 
the, the buffalo seitan pizza at SPAC is phenomenal. Hell yeah. Dude, how you doing on beer? You need a, you want to, you want a topper offer there? You want yeah. more? Yeah. Cool. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to grab some beer and while I'm gone, why don't you tell people where they can find string machine on the internet? Okay. That cool. sounds, that sounds like a, Hey Dylan, where can they find string machine on the, on the internet? Well, there's a few places. One Instagram, probably the best one as far as updates go. Yeah. Instagram is our forum at choice. string machine music. Yeah. And, and then, then Bandcamp. Bandcamp. Yes. Spotify, Apple Music. Recently just got Twitter, which we we're did. trying to utilize as like our casual, you know, where we're a little more casual and less like. That's the place to meme, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's, I like the, I, I really want like that to be the place where we're not as like promote e yeah you know and then facebook if you want to keep up with shows and stuff most of our events will be posted on there which we'll post about on the instagram but if you want to see event pages facebook's the place to go facebook yeah and uh yeah even though facebook's kind of the devil hey thanks you gotta use the beer oh you're very very welcome uh we'll do a cheers real quick cool i want to put a quick shout out there to anybody who uh, maybe has nothing else better to do on Thursdays and Sundays. I could really use somebody to help produce the show. Maybe if you want to keep an eye on the camera, get us beers and just hang out and be a nice person, we could really use that. So if you want to volunteer for Start the Beat, hit me up. That'd be cool. Hey, I'll be that guy. Your shout out just worked, you know? I'll be that except, guy. Except on Thursdays. Yeah. On Sundays. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Thursdays, yeah. Thursdays we have yeah. band practice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> yeah. Immediate like like, you know, response to the to the shout out. I fucks with it. So, you know, I mentioned before about you having the press kit and as part of the press kit, you have a bio. Mm-hmm. not many bands take the time to put together bios and i don't want to sit here and like rip on other bands that don't you know put together bios but how long do you think it realistically took you to get a few paragraphs together about your band um well cool enough like i said like the earthwalk collective is like a bunch of like artists etc etc and i always have this weird feeling that like a band like a member of the band shouldn't write their own bio because they kind of have a warped perception of their own like band. Yeah. So I always like to commission writers like any chance like that, that kind of thing comes up just so like their perspective is a little more accurate to like what other people would think too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause if I write it, I might like warp it into like what I want it to be. You know what I mean? Totally. And, um, we got, my it was actually a professor we met at our community college jeffrey schrader and we actually ended up just being really good friends with him and uh we got him i i I asked him to write it and he did you know and it was really cool because what i did was just like okay man what i'm gonna do is i'm just gonna sit down at the computer and i'm just gonna start typing and i won't stop typing because i want to be i don't want to be too overthought the info i give you about the album and stuff or where we're from and what we are i just want it to be like what i would say rather than what i would think about and And then you had them put it together into a nice 
exactly like a nice little uh, thing and i i love his the sentiments that he says and like it doesn't stick to i like how he turned it into his own little thing like he could have easily just been like string machines a band from pittsburgh that does this and they were featured on this you know he could easily done that but he turned it into like kind of our uh reality you know what what it's like a little biography yeah what it's like to be from rural humanized it yeah yeah because like from butler's perspective like we have a lot of it's a big rural town that and he touches upon the fact that like a lot of the environment and a lot of the habitats that like a lot of the woods are getting kind of pillaged by fracking wells and them building new communities and stuff and those are sentiments that like we really like kind of support. So it was kind of cool to have that weaved in to kind of give like a full picture of, we don't support fracking. Yeah. We're, we're against that. Yeah. yeah. We're against fracking. Yeah. yeah. Fracking. Boo. <laughs> exactly. That wasn't a boo to yeah. your, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, you get what I'm saying. You feel me? You yeah. feel me? Boo fracking. Yeah. Sure. Fuck it. Fuck them. So <laughs> do you have any advice for up and coming bands? You know, I mean, I guess, I mean, you're still up and coming. We're all up and coming in our own ways. But, you know, that what do you think has helped you the most in terms of like, you know, getting that bio together, getting that press kit together, getting the video done, getting the album done? Like, Mm. do you see like a common thread in productivity that because I think there's a common thread in productivity that makes all that stuff work out. But for you and String Machine, what would you recommend to bands that are like trying to get their shit together? Be in a band with David Beck would be my (laughs) advice. (laughs) I mean, we were taught like when you go, when you're in English school, like me and him both kind of studied English. I'm not saying I'm some scholar or anything. I just went to community college for two years. But when you're like to uh, Professor Anderson, Professor Anderson, coolest professor ever. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, when you're in those when you're in those classes like creative writing and stuff they always tell you that like if like me and him met in creative thinking which ended up being a kind of a stupid class right yeah you know? but there was like <laughs> but you met each other so. exactly no that's kind of cool stuff. and um um what we kind of learned in that class is that um um, it is a lot of ethic. It's a lot of just work ethic. Like if you sit around and wait for like some creative spirit, like I think the concept of like creative spirit is kind of like overrated. You know what I'm saying? Totally. And I think the concept of like waiting to be found is overrated too, in the same sense. You know what I mean? So you have to, you have to keep your line in the water. That's what I always um, equate it to. You know what I mean? With writing That's songs. That's some butler sounding shit right there. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of, we, we, I used to live in the woods. So this whole north side thing is going to be interesting, you know. But uh, yeah, no, um, some you just got to keep working at it. And it's a lot of work ethic to uh, just keep at it, you know, like, you know, you, you know what you want to see your band be. So like, make it the best it can be, you know, absolutely. Like, if you want people to perceive you as like the next, like whatever, you know, ba- band you're a fan of, well act like the band you're a fan of and kind of like try to, uh, not replicate, but kind of just like be inspired to do that, you know? Definitely. And, I th- yeah. I think, Another big part too is just don't be afraid to ask questions and don't be afraid to talk to people. Exactly. Communication yeah. is key. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was a big thing we learned is also just observing other bands too, you know, cause once you start playing shows around and some bands have successes and some bands don't, you know, and, um, some of the, 
some of the bands that we know we kind of like follow suit and um see that you know what they're doing and we're kind of like oh maybe we should do that too you know keeping your stuff together uh deadlines to-do lists you know all that you know and make it presentable you know right that's kind of the whole concept you know yeah like like for example our friend david mccandless he like the photographer exactly yeah um and uh, yeah, exactly. No, and I just I just remember seeing him like we used to be in a band together, and I remember when he just started taking pictures for fun, you know. And all it took was a little like web design, a little like promotion, little more like a little targeting ads and stuff like that. And now he's full blown wedding photographer, like all from the ground up, you know. Yeah. And it's like if you treat your art with that much like uh, oomph, then. Uh, might as well lead with your right, you know, the, yeah. the right foot forward, you know. I, I think it's so much is really to be said. Like, if you don't give a shit about it, how can you expect anybody else to care about it? Yeah. You really got to be able to show that you care about it, show that you're a normal person. You got to meme yeah. right and you got to, you know, just exactly. act like you give a shit about what you're doing. Yeah, just like, like, like your present. I just, I just like to think of our presence as an extension of like our art. You it's know like what I mean? A, it's kind of like fashion in a way. I'm not mm-hmm. a fashion guru by any means, but I can acknowledge, I think that you could almost make any outfit work if you can like wear it the right way. Mm-hmm. If you have the right confidence about what you're doing and you just have this aura to you, mm-hmm. you could pull off just about anything because it's you. And that's what makes it, that's what makes it great. And I think yeah. like <laughs> a lot of music can be exactly the same way. Even if you're doing the most avant-garde off the wall thing mm-hmm. if you present it with just this air of confidence and like yeah this is me and this is my thing and yeah check it out and there's like yeah. this excitement to it mm-hmm. people yeah. are going to be drawn to it like what like, cool like yeah rather I think- than like i do this thing and like you wouldn't get it or yeah. like yeah. or being like oh yeah well like we're in a band we're we're yeah, we're all right. We were okay. Like I hate mm-hmm. when I meet people and they do that. It's yeah. just like we're not that good. Like whenever I joined Greywalker, they would always post these things like jokingly about how like yeah we suck. I'm like we need to stop doing that. Yeah, yeah. it needs. Mm-hmm. We need to be like no. Like hey, we're a metal band. Come fucking headbang. Have yeah. fun. You know. Like exactly. The yeah. The way yeah, you like, present yourself, it like even if it's not outwardly like outwardly negative, it mm-hmm. can still come off that way if you're just like putting those that vocabulary around yourself. Yeah. And it's also just a bummer. Like when, like for example, like I, 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 there's bands that I'm like actually a fan of around here that like, you'll see them post something like, Oh, you know, like, like you were saying, we suck or whatever. And it's like, it almost like kind of deflates you like, Oh, I, I'm really, that makes me sad that they, they think that they suck. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> I don't, you know, I think a lot of people are like, a lot of people are rooting for us, so it's like we gotta we gotta like let them know that like we're worth rooting for. You yeah, know? I worth- was uh, shout outs to uh, my friends Donnie and Carolyn from Dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. uh, we had dinner with them last night, and they were asking about who was going to be on the show tomorrow. And I, I mentioned that you you guys were coming on, and Donnie was like, "Oh, they're really really good. Oh, nice. Uh, she really likes you guys." So yeah, uh, yeah we played with them. Sick. Yeah, we played with them. Um, when when did we play with them? I want to say it was a, was it a spirit like last show? year? No, it was at Roboto, but it was like with a band. I forget. 
But they were they they're great too. There. I mean, I I don't I don't yeah. know them that well. Oh, they're um, awesome people. Yeah, I just I just know that um they were fantastic live. Um yeah. they they really I love bands that like um go out of their way, you know, cuz a lot of bands will just like set up at a house or something and it'd be like it is what it is, you know, but they go out of their way like all oh, they had a separate speaker system that would like play all their samples and stuff yeah. and it was like okay they actually like care about yeah like how they sound like they're totally. trying to give us a good show and that's i love that appreciation yeah you know? that's that's actually this segues perfectly into my next question and maybe one of our last topics we're approaching an hour mm-hmm. and uh but before we wrap up i do want to talk to you about this particular thing we touched on it a bit before when mm-hmm. you were talking about chicago playing in the basement having seven people trying to figure out who's going to go where, um, you know, we come up in this world of DIY and in that there's a lot of use of alternative venue spaces. And I want to know your thoughts and string machines thoughts on alternative venue spaces and like how you deal with being put in the situations that aren't the most favorable. (laughs) You're talking about um, Friday. Yeah. <laughs> nah, we'll, yeah. we'll leave Friday go. But, yeah. um, well, we just played Mattress Factory, um, yeah. which was like different. Um, that was for a kickoff party to their summer teen program. Our friend Nika got us that gig. And um, I think, I feel like in most cases, like we're always excited to play a space that wouldn't normally be a, a concert venue. Um, and that one in particular was just really, really cool to be um, able to play in a place that like we love um, the art there and like mm-hmm. just the vibe of that place. Um, yeah, I don't know. We've had to get used to playing wherever. Yeah, I mean um, that's how you kind of start out, right? Yeah, you know? that's. I mean, that's the best way. Like the best way to connect with people and like let them know. I always compare like um, starting out as like. If you're looking at like a, I think a good fan base always starts with just a, a good circle of friends and there's no shame in that. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of the concept, right? You know, like, um, and, uh, like if you look out into an open field and there's like bonfires sprawled out across this like open field, you're probably going to gravitate towards the bonfire that has like the most people cheering and having a good time around, you know? Totally. And at these house shows, you can meet people and just become, become friends and support other bands and stuff. And, um, their friends will be like, what's this band that everyone's kind of like hyping up. And then maybe that, I think that's how you kind of generate like genuine fans these days is just starts with a good support system beyond like the people who make the art. It's the people who like, initially support the art you know and then it kind of lures in this whole Mm -hmm. like okay this thing is a thing you know you know and that's um that's the thing i i love uh playing the house venues and stuff i think we've had our best times Mm -hmm. in house venues yeah um big shout out to stew and claire yeah uh, stew claire yeah and all those all All the oakland homies yeah and you and i've met people at these uh DIY venues that I I are genuinely like my best friends now. You know what I mean? And that's probably the most like man dancing. We 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 play around with this band called Man Dancing. 
who's actually playing at our release show on August 3rd um, at Roboto. <laughs> yeah. Get some stuff. Yeah. yeah um, our friends Man Dancing are from New Jersey and we met them and they have become like best friends. Like not just band friends that you're like, oh, hey, it's nice to see you. Like they have become like friends. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. And, that, and that's the most rewarding thing about this all. And um, the spaces are great too. We, honestly, we'll play anywhere. I mean, yeah. where where wouldn't we play? You know, other than where we played on Friday. I, th- I think that. <laughs> I think that. I I've been saying this a lot. You know, when thinking about how to generate fans as a band, mm-hmm. I think it's important now to realize that nobody wants to be your fan. They want to be your friend. Yeah. And if you don't want to be friends with mm-hmm. the people that you want to be your fans, why do you want them to be your fans? Unless yeah. you're just trying to sell them some disingenuous bullshit, you know totally. what I mean? Like supplement pills or something weird, you know, mm-hmm. if you're like sharing art with people and you want them to engage with it, I think it's really important to establish real connections yeah. and real relationships. And, uh, you know, I think it's awesome too, in terms of alternative venue spaces, I'm all for it. I think that depending on the style of music that you are, you just need to, have communication with the venue mm-hmm. and make sure you know what you're walking into. That's what I think is really great about Dinosaur and they know what they need. So they have yeah. their extra speakers and stuff and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. You know, we can play wherever we need to now and we don't got to worry about a place not having like a PA that sounds right. Cause we have this and then yeah. we can, we could work with it. Just we have to do that. Yeah. Make those adjustments. Yeah. No, I mean, and when, when it gets to that point, like, I mean, isn't that kind of what we always pray for is that like, we get to a point where we can like be playing venues where we have like our, like our sound requirements or whatever, you know what I mean? That's kind of the end goal. But like for the time being, we have to be realistic and know that like a lot of the venues that we're going to be welcome at and have success at are venues where we're going to have to be really self-reliant with our sound. Well, I think that no matter what, even if you're playing a stage AE, you know, for anybody in Pittsburgh, you know, like a Mm -hmm. big venue, you still need to be as self-reliant as possible. You should know every little in and out of what's going on. So you know exactly what to ask for. It's almost Mm -hmm. like if you're in the studio working with a producer or an engineer, I think it's really important to have an understanding of recording so if you're working with somebody, instead of saying like, hey, you know, I think my, I think the snare drum needs turned up. You could actually be like, yo, I think the issue is that there's too much low end in this frequency. And like, you know, you can communicate right. better. Mm-hmm. And then in a live environment, you could do the same thing. Having that understanding of how it works. And if you can make, you know, a room like we're sitting in now sound like as good as a show at stage E or something like that, you'll never have a problem ever. It's almost yeah. like, like a, a, a I don't want to say like a war is a dramatic example, but you know, like playing a tour of like a bunch of DIY venues can feel just like a real battle. But if you can like learn how to make each of those spaces sound perfect for your sound Mm -hmm. in the long run, it's going to really benefit you because you're just going to be able to sound killer anywhere because you're going to understand like how acoustics work and how your layout works. And I think another thing too, it, uh, teaches you discipline and compromise (laughs) because there's always those things that you need to come to terms with too, because it's going to be a situation where like maybe that one person that likes to move around a lot during a show is not going to be able to move around as much tonight and they just got to get over it. Or, you know, maybe something's just not going to be able to sound as good or, you know, you're not going to be able to have your amps up as loud as you need to (laughs) and things like that. Just figuring that out and being like very, uh, mature and, uh, 
respectful as possible unless the venue is being shitty. Yeah. But in that environment where you could still deal with it and not totally implode. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's like the, my whole concept with the do like do it yourself too is like you have to do it yourself initially to know what you're like paying other people to do for you in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean like I, it took me like it took us booking our own tours to realize why an agent is necessary for like a big tour because it's like, okay, we, I mean, it is a lot of work. You realize the work that you're paying for by doing it yourself. You know what I mean? And like recording your own album, you know what you're paying for trying to mix your own album. I think it's important for all bands to like kind of do all those things themselves. So they know in the future, if you do sign a record deal, it's what, you know, what you're paying them to do, you know, it's almost like that analogy that people make when they say like, everybody should work in the service industry at some point in their life. Mm -hmm. I feel like if you're in a band, you should definitely, I mean, it's not required, but I think it would do nothing but benefit you to have those experiences and understand Mm -hmm. how all of those little nuances work. Yeah, exactly. And I think it also like kind of helps you grow like empathy for like the sound guy. If, if, you know oh I mean? yeah. You any, know, you, like the totally, guy who's running sound, you're like, okay, the, I understand his deal right now. The you biggest know? thing that I think every band should do is set up their own show. Yeah. Like it really grinds my gears whenever a band complains about the way promoters do certain things that have never set up a show themselves. It's like, mm-hmm. it's the amount of work that goes into just setting, I mean, let alone a tour, but like mm-hmm. just setting up one local show. Yeah. And having it be a success, mm-hmm. you know, until you've done that, I really don't feel like you have any right to complain about how another promoter's doing their yeah. job. Exactly. Know? And that applies to a lot of things. <laughs> That's know? why it's like hard for me at times to kind of gripe on, you know, people running certain big music festivals mm-hmm. and the way things are run, because I've never run a multi-day festival involving, you know, a lot of different places. It's a lot yeah. to do. Yeah. But it's like, you know, while so it's like it's hard to critique it, but it's also fair enough for me, I think, to say that, you know, I feel that like it may be biting off more than you could chew for the sake of having large numbers on a flyer to promote an event is maybe not the best way to do an event. Yeah, because it, it, you know, I know certain people that run certain events and I'm friends with them on Facebook and seeing posts about said events and like, yeah, you know today was a post like oh you know fuck the haters everything was well people came and they were happy everyone had a good time and in my head i'm like i've talked to a bunch of bands that had miserable times i'm glad that the people that came out and drank a bunch of beer that probably a large chunk of if we're gonna be real couldn't give a fuck less about most of the bands playing they're coming Mm -hmm. to drink in the street they're not coming Mm -hmm. to watch live music they'll they'll pop in and check out some stuff but you know they're not like did you have merchandise set up at, when you played oh at said event yeah uh we not we don't have that like much merch though yeah yeah, but, but like but, our other bands did yeah, yeah. i would just like. be curious to know like how bands did on merch and how like what the traction is from actual like i mean even though like selling merch isn't necessarily a be all end all of gaining new fans mm-hmm. i'd be curious just curious to know in some way like how many like new social media followers or merch sales or this or that, that, you know, a lot of bands walked away with. Cause I feel yeah. like some yeah. of these events are really just like drinking party or music festivals disguised as drinking parties. Mm. Yeah. 
not saying there isn't like a, a huge chunk of people that go and like watch a lot of bands, but mm-hmm. I would just say, I think the majority is a lot higher on that, on the side of just like, Oh, well you can go drink outside and there's music. Yeah. Yeah. And walk um, around freely. You know? Yeah. That's another appeal. Try not to know? be a cynic, but I don't know. Yeah. I was walking around and I was just based on, how i feel and some strangers that i talked to and people it seems it was a lot more of just like oh this is cute yeah let's get a beer yeah i mean i don't don't, yeah it's hard to even say like but at the same time i've never booked anything like that so i can't talk too much yet yeah no and that's exactly it it's like um it's like it's even hard to like think of what what you would do better right you know like it's kind of hard to like think about that like i would say you know know, less stages less bands still plenty of entertainment just focus just focus in on it Uh and make sure that the bands that are playing are placed appropriately yeah Mm -hmm. it's like it's like i don't even care that much about it being like okay a majority of people that are just coming to drink and hang out but i guarantee you if bands are placed appropriately and they're able to really do their set at 100 percent, they're going to have a much greater chance of actually turning some of those people that are there into fans instead of putting a large chunk of your talent into awkward situations yeah so they feel awkward they're playing awkward it's not right and then people that have never heard of them are seeing them and they're just kind of like oh local music's weird yeah yeah like is this what it's like you know like there's yeah it's it's kind of tied into that same thing about like a band saying like oh they suck or like saying bad things about themselves online like if a mm-hmm. band's playing a show where they shouldn't be mm-hmm. and they feel all weird it's just like the vibe's weird and yeah. nobody's gonna want to engage with that that doesn't yeah, do anybody a favor the venue's pissed off yeah. you know the band's not happy and the yeah. people were confused yeah but everybody yeah. still has beer and they're still making money from that so <laughs> the festival is a success <laughs> yeah yeah i yeah. don't know i think no, I, I think gotcha. i think deutschtown like Oh, no, that's okay. I don't care. Yeah. A lot of the, well, you know, and it applies to any festival, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think, I think that we've had, honestly, we've had great years there. We've had like great times with the people who have organized it. We've had, I mean, um, I mean, that's, you know, and, and it's like people who are at the festival, like, I think, I think of it more as like, a celebration like where all the local musicians are going to be in one place at one time totally, and they're going to browse that list and be like, okay, this is almost like a, this is almost like the super bowl of, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, sure. not even well, super bowl, but like more of like a, like, Oh, I'm going to finally get to see this band that I love, but never get like, for example, I never get to see pet clinic. I don't know why, but they're like one of my favorite local bands and browsing that list and seeing Pet Clinic at eight o'clock, it was like, oh my god, this is my Hell chance yeah. to let yeah. them know that I am repping them. You know, what I mean, I might not be able to make it out to every show, and I feel bad for any show that they they play where there's like six people there, you know, because I'm not there. But like, this is my chance to be there because I'm already here, you know. And um, that was the great thing about it for me is just being able to like. Uh, I didn't get to like this year was a little different. I didn't get to experience it as thoroughly as I, I wanted to just because of uh circumstance, like outside circumstances and stuff. But I got to like, um, there's another local band called slugs that f- f- 
full on like love that band like hope to see them do great things in the future and it was crazy to like actually be able to show up for them you know because i'm already here so it's like it's kind of like bonnaroo you know i went to bonnaroo four years in a row and it was like okay i went and saw bands that i've only ever listened to once but knew like okay i dig their their stuff and i might walk away from that performance like oh like damn okay i need to check them out more you know what i mean like one performance in exam for example was courtney barnett I, oh yeah yeah like i wasn't a big courtney barnett fan and then i went and had the opportunity to see her live because of the festival format mm-hmm. it's just like nothing else to do at that point you know i was kind of indifferent walking into it but walked out of there you know i need to give this more time you know of 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 that so i I, you know i hope that anyone who came to see us at said festival (laughs) you know out of the curiosity or may have heard of our name through the grapevine and they were already there for their friends band maybe they came and saw us i hope they walked away saying i need to check this band out more and i don't you know it's a little soon for the actual results but you know i think like your perception of it is maybe less about um or I think that a festival like this, what we see in it is more of just like a representation of how Pittsburgh as a whole treats local music. There's a lot of people who like don't care about it. Almost. Totally. So like all of the, like you're saying, like it is like a gathering of all the local bands and we're like all supporting one another. And like, if I talk to someone in the music scene about Deutschtown, they're like, yeah, like this is all the people I'm stoked to see. And then I talk to someone who's like not involved in the local music scene. Um, and they like don't know who is playing or don't care to like learn about who's playing and they're just kind of there to hang out like mm-hmm. you're saying. And so I think it's more of just kind of like a a bummer realization that a large group of people from Pittsburgh like don't give the local music scene a chance, you know? But um Yeah, and they, maybe like they, they want the clerks. So yeah, it's just there's it's more just, than the clerks. It yeah. sucks that <laughs> I mean, I think that the infrastructure is there. Cause I mean, okay, you're getting a large chunk of people that don't care. Suppose like that we assume don't have much knowledge or more interest in gaining knowledge about the local music scene, mm-hmm. but you're getting all of them over here yeah. and they're surrounded by some of, you know, really, really great bands all yeah. over the place. But it bums me out whenever you get them here and you get the bands here, but then you, fuck up putting them just in these weird spots it doesn't work and then that goes back to like my my point of just like how important i think it is to actually focus on curating stages and lineups that make sense Mm -hmm. i'm all for diversity but it has to be diversity that makes sense you know it cannot and i say this all the time i apologize but it cannot be ranch dressing on top of ice cream like, yeah. you know what I mean? Those are both yeah. great things, but they have their place on the plate. If yeah. North side is the, the metaphorical plate, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. the festival is the, you know, all the things happening or food, we got to put yeah. things together. Yeah, that, totally. It, so it makes sense. And the venues are <sighs> equipped so the bands could play loud bands could play where loud stuff is okay. Yeah. And then quiet. Cause I'm sure there was probably some situations where there's like a really loud place. And they had mm-hmm. someone real quiet playing there. And whoever went to go see them couldn't even hear them because people were ah, all over the place. And then in your situation where, you know, you're too loud for the space and it's like those 
two performers should have been flipped. Totally. And yeah. I'm curious about like if there's even anybody on like the committee for like a festival like Deutschtown that is even aware or cares about these things. Yeah. As far as I know, like all the people that I know that are work with the festival work really hard at getting things together. But when it comes to actual execution of lineups, I don't think they know enough about the bands that are coming in to curate the stages properly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bummer. I think as the I think as the festival grows, I think the more it'll seem less because like for the past three years, it's it's felt like a raffle as a performer. You could either make out real good or you can make out real bad. Oh, totally. I I I I would I honestly would not be surprised if that was the case. Like Mm -hmm. in one way or another, like you know, like we throw all the bands into an Excel sheet cut them up, throw them in a hat and just yeah. do that. That's what it seems yeah. like. And the be- I think like for something like the local festivals we have going around here, we can just like cross our fingers and hope that eventually the structure will, cause I mean, you have to also think about like, I mean, not to keep bringing up Bonnaroo, but like Bonnaroo started as a family reunion that just eventually became a huge party that eventually was like, okay, we have to get our shit together and like get the proper permits. And then it grew from there. So I'm hoping that like, as these local music festivals grow, they start, um, which I'm sure is already on the back of their mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, like really I mean, I, I'm going to, too. I'm going to fully, I'll say it here uh, on record and in front of you two, mm-hmm. I'm going to reach out and send a very nice email. And I'm going to say like, Hey, I've been talking with people. There's a lot of concerns. I live in the north side. I'd be happy to help if yeah. you want it. Yeah. And, and I can almost guarantee you I'm going to get a middle finger, but we'll yeah. see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, if they were looking to, at you, if they, <laughs> if they were to delve into like that is actually would probably be the next step for it to grow. Because it's a thing. It's the, like, I don't you know. want to, because like, the guests that I had on before, we talked a bit about Deutschtown. I feel like it's going to be coming up. By the time this episode comes out, well, it'll be the end of the month. It might be a little bit old news by then, mm-hmm. but like, I don't want anybody that's a part of the festival that might be hearing this to feel like I'm attacking them or anybody's attacking them. It's just yeah. like, no, like regardless of, you know, whether or not they thought the festival was a success, there's definitely some things that could be addressed to make it work better in the next year. And exactly. I think that, yeah. Again, communication, it's really important. And I think instead of just pretending that there aren't problems, let's yeah. just address those problems. Cause mm-hmm. it's all stuff that could be easily fixed. Yeah. yeah. I think like, like um, probably just, I think the next step would probably be, um, I mean the, the 400 band thing was a lot. I mean that you, I think you, that's, you sit back and you realize, wow, I mean, that could have been, honestly, I mean, without, like, huge headliners, that probably, in all actuality, was, like, the main draw of the festival was how ambitious it was. Well, that's what and I'm saying. probably that's, why people came out for the most part. I said know? that at the beginning of this, just brief, this conversation that we mm-hmm. were having, where I think that they do all of this stuff just to have big numbers on a flyer. Yeah. But I don't think it does anybody a favor. Yeah. And like they make the festival so big and think so unpredictable that they can't even do something as simple as like create a map that's mm-hmm. reliable. Like yeah. if, if you were to if they were able to distribute a map or make an app on the phone mm-hmm. where it's like these are all the venues where bands are playing and this is a reliable schedule, mm-hmm. yeah. That would help a lot. But they can't yeah. even do that because venues back out last minute, bands cancel. It's like 
I know there was a lot of bands that dropped off yesterday. It seemed, mm-hmm. yeah, and which like, is, I get it, yeah, but it it's like you need reliable bands, you need reliable venues, and like all of those things could really be cut out if you weren't trying so hard to make it these huge numbers. Yeah, yeah. right. Like, and promoters per stage. Doing, this you is know? the seventh year they've done this event. Mm-hmm. They know. I mean, they have a track record of bands that have probably played multiple years, and they have mm-hmm. a track record of venues that have participated. That's your reliable core. I would stick with that. Yeah, and yeah. just go from there. Yeah. yeah. I have other ideas as well, but we don't want to get crazy. I talked right. about it in last week's episode, mm-hmm. which uh, was earlier today. So anyways, yeah, I think, um, one, one thing <laughs> okay, I think, um, and this is kind of like my thing with Pittsburgh for, you know, a lot of people look at Pittsburgh and they think, you know, maybe the grass is greener in like Nashville or like Athens, Georgia or New York city. And I, I, I think of Pittsburgh more as an open frontier for legitimate things that come out of the roots of it all. Because you look like a you look at like a city like these random record labels that like have a break. You know what I mean? You look at like a was it Des Moines and it's like Saddle Creek Records came out of the middle of the Middle West. You know what I mean? And I think the main thing that Pittsburgh lacks right now, and this is what I think like everyone should sh- support, is beyond our DIY scene beyond like our bar scene and everything and actually like support things like your podcast, you know, and things like, uh, the gray estates, you know what I mean? Like blogs like that or things like, um, what Br- Brett shout outs. They are coming on the show soon. Oh really? Yeah. 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 They've, I mean, we, you know, cause you look at like, um, you know, why do we perceive like Brooklyn as a great place to play? You know what I mean? or Philly because I mean, okay, you look at Brooklyn, it's like, okay, that well, pitchforks based out of there. There's always this pretense that you go in there, that you're playing for ears that could get you to the, a, a better point than where sure. you're at. Mm. And if Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh right now is, um, we need to support like a record label. You know what I mean? To have the next big band, you know what I mean? Yeah. We need to support a blog to be the next pitchfork. We need like these legitimate cornerstones of like our scene to make our city seem like, um, like, a like, a you know, we have the great art here. And I think this even kind of goes back to like our, our talk about like presentation and stuff. And if our city can present itself as like a, a legitimate, like art hub, the way that like Athens, Georgia is, or, you know, um, yeah. New York city or, you know, things like that. I think, um, yeah. we have to support, the things that aren't just music you know we have to support the things that are uh, trying to garner us legitimacy as like a the art hub mm-hmm. you know of yeah. pennsylvania you know and um yeah i think with uh something like um the music festivals that happen around here i think um like we were saying like just having like certain like just have like promoters per venue curate the stage you know what i mean and make the festival something that like, um, like per stage is like set up to be like, um, solid as is, yeah. you know, it's a great uh, point. Yeah. Cause like before I started playing the string machine, which was like three years ago, um, like I was telling you earlier, like I knew red hands cause my brother's best friends with Tyler. Um, and, and then I saw you guys play with them and I saw like amplifiers 
and maybe Young Fox. And I think those were like the four local bands I could name. Yeah. Um, but like the DIY scene that we became a part of, I had no idea it existed. And like, this is a really great point of just like the art is there. Um, and it's really great, but we're not really doing a great job of promoting the people that, um, tell people about it. Cause like also going to point park, I have a bunch of friends that have been going there for three or four years that I just became friends with. And I like take them to a local show and they're like, what? And like, <laughs> yeah, they, they were like, Pittsburgh was really bland before, but now I'm seeing these things. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we do have the art and, uh, yeah, we just need to like support the labels that'll make mm-hmm. uh, that'll put us and not just labels. I mean, I guess it goes far <clears throat> beyond that too, you know, um, support, not just the artists, but the people who are trying to give like the artist a spotlight, yeah. you know, and make it seem, make it better for bands that are coming out of town. You know, everyone's everyone. I hear the the talk all the time about like why bands sometimes skip Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? But if you don't have like a good core, you know, as not just art, but like the things that also surround art, you know what I mean? Like cornerstones of that, you know, think it's important for us to like support like things like Misra records and crafted sounds and yeah it's you know. fucking it's so silly because you know we in the past five years pittsburgh's become this really big foodie town mm-hmm. and everybody's into you know going to all the new restaurants with, or the new breweries and all of that thing and like you know it's fine you know whatever i get it but there's like okay cool it's like now we have this focus on local business to some extent and like oh cool we heard about this cool new restaurant so yeah we'll go there over go into olive garden or something like that but like Mm -hmm. oh there's a cool new local band Eh." like that hasn't like local art hasn't met the same Mm -hmm. sort of uh hasn't been greeted with open arms in the way that all of these breweries and other places have been opened up have but i think a lot of that too just has to do with hype because a few people start going and -hmm. a few writers and like you know, you have your city paper and things like that yeah, that exactly. are all notoriously terrible at promoting local music. Um, mm-hmm. They they talk about them and then people go out. But then when it comes to, you know, promoting local music, a lot of those outlets kind of, they don't do the best job. I guess they do what they can with what they got. But I mm-hmm. think a lot of the time, it's just the people that work in those, work for those papers just don't even know about, they're like your friends at Point Park. They don't even really they don't scratch underneath the surface you know what i mean it's just like what's bubbling at the top you know what i mean for a while it was just like the pittsburgh city paper in particular couldn't ever talk about anything hip-hop related without Mm. dropping was khalifa or mac miller yeah in the thing i mean even for the longest time in the best of uh awards i mean there was you know you have best rock band best metal band best folk band best you know like all of those things and then mm-hmm. it was best artist to most likely be the next mac miller or something like that like it wasn't yeah. best hip-hop yeah and i was like what does that even <laughs> fucking mean it was so weird yeah. yeah and like why would you only do that for the hip-hop category yeah, right it wasn't like there was like best italian restaurant to be the next olive garden or whatever not saying that, like mac <laughs> yes. miller was the olive garden of pittsburgh rap that sounds yeah. really disrespectful it was yeah. just there's yeah, just yeah. a thing that came to mind no, you know what you, i mean yeah uh yeah it was just really strange so mm. i've always had like a, a really a really awkward relationship with 
a lot of the local publication. Like, I mean, they've mm-hmm. written both positive and negative things about work that I've done. Mm-hmm. I and mean, then they've, they've pushed us. I have friends that still work at the papers, but yeah, I think that, you know, right. Particularly right now, there's a, somebody working at the city paper that's really focused on metal, which is really interesting. Yeah. And it's cool that like they want to be a part of that. And I think mm-hmm. that's what we need rather than complain like, Oh fuck the paper. It's just the mm-hmm. fact that the people that are there just don't know. Yeah. And the people that do know should try to aspire to get in there and help get the word out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of the thing, you know? And I don't, I don't even know how to, the, the viewership is a big thing too. Like, um, like, um, our friends are from Montclair, New Jersey, and they're like right, right, right near New York. You know I mean? They're like little hop, skip and jump. They might as well be a Brooklyn based band, you know, for what, for what they do. And I think, um, like for example, they play, they play one show, like, you know, you get asked by like, the production companies around here to open for a band, you know, you open for that band and it's like, Oh yeah, you know, that's really cool. You know I mean? You get to play with some of your favorite bands like through uh like Mr. Smalls presents or Opus one and stuff. And that's all really cool. But you have to also consider like when they do the same thing in Brooklyn, it's not just like the average listener there, you know, they open for some band that's like getting to be a really big indie band and they found themselves playing for someone who writes for MTV and they, and MTV wrote a feature about them. Yeah. And I look at that and I think about like, okay, what is the difference between what I'm doing and what they're doing? The difference is not their art, you know, cause I, you know, the art around there is probably, I mean, the same as anywhere else would be, you know, sure. It's more about like the, the cornerstones that will elevate them to new levels, you know? And I think like what you said about the city paper and like trying to, stem out and actually be a part of the culture that they write about is really important, you know? And I, I, yeah, I try to empathize with the fact that I think that, you know, a lot of people that have worked in worked for the city paper or, you know, the Pittsburgh current or whatever, you know, I think I say, I think I do want to go on record and say that I think the Pittsburgh current's doing a much better job at covering underground music than Mm -hmm. the city paper ever has. Mm -hmm. But I still think that there's a lot of work to be done, but there's still a lot of time left on this planet. And yeah. as long as those writers are passionate about what they're we doing, hope. they'll eventually turn over those stones. You yeah. know, if they keep digging, it's yeah. just, but it's like, you know, those writers only have so much time to do things. They got deadlines. They got lives outside. You know, it's like, you can't expect everyone to know everything. Yeah, it's exactly. like the equivalent of like me telling you about some movie and then you telling me you've never seen that movie. And I'm like, what? You've never seen that movie. It's like, yeah. nah, I just, I only have time to watch so much or yeah. you've never listened to that album. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've, I've listened mm-hmm. to plenty of albums. I just haven't happened to hear that one. Yeah. And that's kind of how it is when you, you need to think about that one, like attacking writers or a paper or something like, why haven't you talked about this part of the scene? And it's like, well, because I was talking about all this other stuff and yeah. we'll get there. Maybe, I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Yeah. And, um, that's the thing. Like if you, if you like, I'm trying to think of like an example, like, um, like when I hear, when I heard about things on like, for example, like I think it's important to like, um, to like support <laughs> these things around here because I remember like two years ago thinking how cool it would be to like, or how cool bands were and how much more I was like 
excited to go see them or more inclined to go see them because they were on gray estates or because they were on city paper. Okay. Yeah. And I think if we support that kind of thing, you know what I mean? Kind of that, that hype kind of machine that goes on. If we support it, I think that's how we lift bands up on out of here, you know? And that's the weird thing about Pittsburgh. It, it kind of seems to be like a, sometimes seems to be like a glass dome. You know what I mean? Like in the Simpsons movie, you know what I mean? Like, I think a perfect example was like the Clarks. You know what I mean? Like that band deserved, I mean, I don't know. I'm not like saying I'm a huge Clarks fan, but that band <laughs> had, concert. that band had the sound to be like world renowned, you know what I mean? Sure. Like Goo Goo Dolls, like kind of band. And for some reason, um, I think, uh, they don't like, they kind of got trapped in Pittsburgh. Right. You know? And like, it's like, uh, you know, there's so many great artists that I'd hate to see that happen to. And it's like, well, how can we make Pittsburgh? Like, instead of forcing artists to be like, okay, fuck Pittsburgh, I'm going to Nashville. You know, how do we make Pittsburgh like more radiant? You know, and I think, I think, I think, yeah, I think one thing would be, you know, curating successful events mm-hmm. that get people engaged with the music. Yeah, for sure. And I think, uh, like one, I think one festival that does a pretty good job at it is like, um, the the arts festival like you know what i mean like the the good old arts festival and at the point you know what i mean like i think they do a great job at bringing in like a good headliner and then they curate like i mean i remember uh it was like uh like they always try to find a local opener that to play with that band that kind of is at least similar sure. you know what i mean and then that almost gives that local opener like some more legitimacy because they open for Whoever was there, yeah. you know what I mean? Like Wilco, didn't they come here like four years in a row for the arts festival? And like any band that opened for them has that like on their side, you know, yeah. that, you know, they, you know, and I think, I think maybe that's also one thing a lot of these, um, I mean, local music is great. And I think curating a whole festival around local music is great, but I think it'd also be cool to get some like pretty gnarly, like headliners in town. You know what I mean? Like, find the funding to like bring a headliner so people are kind of into it for the music as well. Yeah, I just yeah. think yeah. curating the talent in general I think mm-hmm. is the biggest thing. Yeah. Just it's you probably know, the next having step. it just make yeah. more sense that way, you know, whenever people get to the festival and they're trying to figure out where they're going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, if they like heavier stuff, they find the place that has loud music, then they could hang out in that part of yeah. the area, you know, mm-hmm. I know that a big part of the festival is to encourage walking around, but all you end up doing is just get people walking around in the heat and they get exhausted. And yeah. Go home. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I like, you know, it's kind of weird, you know, what do you do? I mean, I think it's like, it kind of all comes around to it just being like a gamble. You know what I mean? You yeah. could, I've had moments myself where it was like, I'm just going to drink beer. You know what I mean? I'm going to this festival so I can just hang out and like have a good time. Totally. Regardless of that means I'm paying attention to the the acts or not, you know, <laughs> but like the gamble of it is, are you going to have that person at the right mind state to like absorb what you're doing in, in a way that like makes them like engaged and like, yeah. I want to check this band out, you know? And I think um, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, and that's uh, generally how it goes. Right? All we can so. do is just keep on trying. Keep on keeping keep, on. Keep on yeah. keeping on. Exactly. Yeah. Hit the lows and just keep 
bouncing back. You yeah. Know? You know, and with that being said, I think we should probably wrap this one up. Yeah. We went a little over, but that's okay. We were chatting. We were yeah. talking about things. Didn't want to cut it. You know, <laughs> there's always post, just let it roll. Right? Just let it yeah. roll. Just let it roll. It's all good. So, um, Death of the Neon, Death August second, four yeah. days release from this video is it being four on days? the internet. Yeah. It's July. Uh, what day is the internet? Thirty-one. 29th. July 29th, Yes, it is July twenty ninth. According days. to the according to the future, it is July 29th. You could check out their album, mm-hmm. Death of the Neon. As I said, August second. You could catch them at their release show, August third, at the Mister Roboto Project. And you can watch the music video right now for Eight Legged Dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the blog that premiered it? Uh, Impose Magazine. Yeah. Watch it on Impose Magazine or just go on YouTube, I guess. Yeah. YouTube. You can look it up, you know. But it would help Impose if you went over to their website and checked it out, I imagine, right? Based yeah, exactly. conversation we just had. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. Like the, exactly. it's like the quid pro quo of, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, of the exactly. whole shebang, you know? And, uh... Like, that's all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. David, Dylan, String Machine, thanks for coming on. Whoop, thanks whoop. for chatting about, you know, music and your band and festivals and getting a little curmudgeon for a moment or two there yeah. on my part. I apologize. But hey, you know what? It's all because I'm just passionate. Yeah. Yes. And we I love care. it. Yeah, we I love care. it. I care. I'm trying my best. Yeah. I wouldn't be here three times a week if I, if I didn't. And uh, I'll be back again Thank next you. time. Speaking of, you know, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2019. Whoop. Woo. Yes. Thanks for out. listening. Yeah. And we are done with 4% battery on the camera. Look at that. Oh, man. <laughs> I wasn't even considering that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd be keeping an eye on it. I knew we were good. And... <laughs>